Howdy. Hello. This is Ed Gallo for the Fight Site. You're watching Resume Review or you're listening to Resume Review. If you're listening to Resume Review, I have some words for you. We'll get to that. But yeah, this is a series. Uh, this one is focusing on Anderson Silva, but overall, it's a series about evaluating wins. <clears throat> Basically, how significant is a win for a given fighter on a given night? And why is that so important? Because when people discuss all-time greats or whatever context they're discussing fighters in, they talk about resumes and they talk, they talk about names that people have beaten and they list them as a reason why a fighter is great. People have a hard time separating status or symbolic accomplishments from quality or, or how, how a quality win is actually established. Um, it's a pretty consistent thing I see on social media and even, you know, in, in the media, uh, you know, UFC commentators and analysts and people they put on the desk and reporters, you know, they all do the same thing where they think greatness is, is numbers. And if everything were equal, if everyone was around the same level, same level of efficacy, everything was pretty close, then yes, it would be very easy to just look at the numbers and say, this person has the most wins over the most people. And that, that's why they're the best. That would make sense um, if and only if. But that's not how MMA works. MMA is a sport with a ton of variance in terms of talent and approach and depth uh, when it comes to divisions and fighters. It's all over the place. You can't, you really can't generalize at all. Um, MMA is a sport where you need to go fight by fight, watch each one, and come up with an independent evaluation. And MMA fighters, uh, I mean, MMA is so difficult. MMA fighters aren't consistent with their performances at all. Um, very rarely are they. So you can say, oh, I watched Nate Marquardt uh, against Tyron Woodley. He looked very, you know, well-rounded, put together, physical, dangerous, you know, all these things. Like, that's a guy who a win over him is worth a lot. That doesn't mean in his next fight a win over him would be worth a lot. That doesn't mean the fight before that it would be worth a lot. It doesn't mean that a fight against him when he was younger would be worth more um you have to watch each one see what they did and come up with that that way and sometimes it's really really difficult to do that because a fight is fast or someone gets completely shut out you don't get to see a lot of what they really were trying to do and sometimes you're just up against somebody who can wipe you out and sometimes you just get wiped out so not a perfect way of doing things but it's way better than not trying to evaluate each of the individual fighters so that's what the series is about uh, watching the fights and trying to make sense of, of what a win is worth. And when you're doing a historical series like this, where I'm, I'm covering fights from, you know, over a decade ago, I get it. MMA has progressed a lot. So fighters are generally better today. And I'm being going to be holding fighters to the standard of the same standard I hold fighters to today. And the reason is because I'm evaluating these wins on the same spectrum, on the same list as modern fighters. So I can't apply any sort of modifier uh, or like have allowances or acceptances for a fighter from a previous era for the same list where other fighters are just being held to the standard of the day. You know what I mean? They don't get that bonus. Uh, you might not view it that way, but that's how it would be since we're that's it's the same list. Um, you would have to have some sort of separate list or a separate, you know, system evaluation for fighters uh, who come from earlier eras. If you're going to say, oh, well, for their era, well, that's a different discussion. So in case you're thinking about that, don't, don't say that to me. 
<laughs> uh, that's not what we're doing here. So that's why I have changed my overall ranking system to being like my greatest of all time rankings, just the best wins. Who has the best wins? Because that might not be a system that you're comfortable with using for greatness. I think if you're taking greatness seriously, it's something you should definitely factor in to your ratings. You know, my, my list or whatever you want to come up with your own list. And there's so much subjectivity between what some people view as quality and degrees of goodness and all sorts of things. So there's, there's so many ways you can go with this, but as far as I know, I'm the only one doing it in an organized wide scale, visible fashion like this. Um, so, you know, get on it, get on it. You have a fighter you care about. You want to evaluate their resume, boost their resume, degrade another fighter's resume. Do, do this, watch the fights, try to come up with a rating. So how do we rate fighters? Uh, holistically, holistically. So, uh, you don't rate the performance from the winning fighter. That's important because styles are so important for what a fight looks like for how you win. And there's so many different things that are impressive to different people. And, you know, some styles are just more prone to delivering something that looks impressive. Um, so don't, don't do that. Don't, don't judge the winning performance, judge the losing performance. Okay. What did that winning fighter have to overcome in order to win? What did their opponent present with them? How much resistance was there? You know, if I like fight a pack of 12 year olds and just dust them all, that is worthless. You know, if I fight an untrained person, that is worthless for the most part. You have to judge by what, what did they have to overcome? What was the resistance? So, um, it's difficult. <laughs> it's a difficult task, but this is the last episode of me doing this for Anderson Silva. And uh, you'll get to see a couple more examples. I think this first example, uh, the first fight we're going to watch is his fight with Nick Diaz, which was a win. That was overturned, but it was a win. Um, that is going to be a tough one because Nick Diaz, similar to Nate Diaz's performance over Leon Edwards, Nick Diaz had no concern about winning rounds. I don't know if he had any concern about winning the fight at all. I'm not sure how seriously he's taking winning the fight. I think he's going to be there, in which case beating him is going to be very hard to attribute value to because it's like, was it even a fight? Was it contested in the same universe of fights as everyone else? Uh, or, or are we doing something different here? Um, but typically what I look at is how well is this fighter approaching their win condition? So that is something that is conceptual, right? You know, what kind of stuff did they do? What kind of ideas did they bring to the table? However, the way that it becomes more holistic is, okay, if I want to pressure and I want a volume pressure. Uh, that's a good game plan. If you have the tools and attributes that allow that to work. Um, so let's say you have a terrible gas tank or you come into the fight with a terrible gas tank and then you try to volume pressure and you gas yourself out. Well, then it was a terrible approach to winning the fight and it was never going to work unless you got them out of there right away or they gas harder than you did. That's, that's not a good way to do that. But if you have a bad chin and you keep putting yourself in exchanges, that's not, that doesn't work. What if you wanted to pressure them in the cage and wrestle and you suck at wrestling? Uh, that's not good. Um, so there's all sorts of uh, things that you have to consider uh, that go into what makes an approach uh, good. And something I look at a lot is how well does this approach hold up during, under duress? You know, how much composure do you have? Uh, how adaptable are you? Um, can you make changes on the fly if you need to? Nothing big, but just to respond to what the other person is doing to you if it affects how you're trying to win. So those are the things we're going to look at. 
Um, we're going to watch Nick Diaz. I'm going to watch Michael Bisping. And we're going to watch Derek Brunson. We're going to be done um, because Anderson Silva lost the rest of them. He lost the Bisping fight, but it was close enough that I'd like to revisit it. And if it was a win, it would be Anderson Silva's best win. So <laughs> I think uh, I think that's important. So we're going to start with this Nick Diaz fight. And before we begin, uh, this series is hosted on Patreon. So this is for a lot of people. This is a video that they're watching. Um, I'm going to make an effort when there are things to break down, take a second look at. I did it last episode. I'm going to rewind and come back and, and watch things again and, and do it more like a breakdown uh, when applicable. So if you're someone that's trying to follow along with your own video, that's going to be very difficult. So I will tell you the timestamp uh, on Fight Pass. It's going to be, uh, hold on, it's going to be 1241 on the Nick Diaz video. Um, and I'll say go, I'll say three, two, one, go, and we'll hit play on go. So we're synced up, but I'm going to be moving around probably in, in a couple of these fights. So you might as well just subscribe on Patreon. It's only $3 to get access to all of our exclusive content, with the fight site. There's a lot of it. There's this series. There's the, uh, bad calls series that I started about decisions and judging. And there's all the alternate commentaries we've done just straight up analytical commentary of fights there. We're getting close to a hundred. Uh, of those and there's way more beyond that so we probably have over 200 pieces of content behind that paywall on patreon right now there's a lot you don't know about a lot you're missing out on get yourself on there uh worthwhile for sure but otherwise you can listen to the audio i guess just listen to it and not try to follow along with with uh, the video people do that and they tell me they're not weird for doing it and they're like oh you don't understand i'm driving or whatever I'm like man just, just do what you're going to do. Just do what you're going to do. Um, you're supporting the site if you're listening, but you're supporting the site more if you're watching. So honestly, the thing I'm most okay with is if you pay the $3 and you subscribe to the flight site on Patreon and you have access to the video and then you still listen to the audio. You're actually double dipping when you do that. You're giving me the subscription value and you're giving me the views on a podcast platform. So I, I don't really care about the views on Patreon. I just care that you're subscribed. Um, so in a way you're helping me more by doing it that way. But if you're just listening on a podcast platform, you're only helping me a little bit. Um, the most you can help me is to subscribe on Patreon. So we have a team, we're trying to support them. We're trying to incentivize them to do this work and take some of the workload off me, which is very important because I don't know how long I can keep doing this. Um, so there's, there you go. Please, please support the site. Um, okay. So Anderson Silva versus Nick Diaz. It's five rounds. I'm going to be exhausted, but we're going to do it. Um, okay. So like I said, 1241 is the timestamp on Fight Pass. If you're watching somewhere else, sorry. Uh, but here you go. Three, two, one, let's go. So let's see what Nick Diaz's win condition is, if there is one. And it's worthy of note that pretty much every Anderson Silva opponent has started his, the fight with trying to kick him on the outside in the legs. And uh, it works usually. <laughs> so Diaz doing a lot of posturing throwing out his lead leg kicking the leg I mean this is decent so far but an Anderson Silva win you know beating him doesn't really start until the second round or until he starts actually giving you offense and pressuring that doesn't always start right away 
So let's say theoretically, oh, there's a lead from, from Anderson Silva actually lands on lands in the lead there. Diaz walks into it. Um, so, I mean, if Diaz just wants to do this the entire time, jab in and kick, kick the legs, um, so far it's not working. He's getting beat up. And there he goes and he lays down trying to mess with Anderson Silva. I'm not going to factor that in really. Um, really excited Joe Rogan that he did that. Uh, now he's doing Anderson Silva's other thing, which is uh, he did that to Stefan Bonner, invited him to come and try to attack him on the cage. Um, yeah, a lot of posturing from Diaz, not a lot of uh, trying to win yet. You could say, you know, the psychological warfare is part of the win condition, but Anderson Silva is like the worst person to do that to. He has a psychological advantage over every opponent ever. His composure is always greater than his opponents every time. No one has ever had more composure than Anderson Silva in a fight. Even against Israel Adesanya, he messed with him a little bit um, and made that fight way harder than it needed to be for Izzy. Uh, Nick Diaz fainting on the outside a little bit. And there's another uh, 3-2 lead from Silva. Diaz backed off. So Diaz sort of pressuring and uh, using his jab when he actually does want to close and landed that one and uh, tried to hit him off the uh, off the tie up there. Diaz doing like a high elbow guard, kind of. Kicking lead leg. Is that lead hook from Silva misses? Gets in the clinch and exits there. Diaz still kicking that lead leg. I mean, Diaz probably winning the fight so far just because Silva hasn't really done too much. Diaz jabbing the body there. So a lot of, there you go, lands uh, over the hands on his, uh, his left hand. Elgo's uh, body head. Did it again to Diaz. Silva counters him there. Silva's standing right in front of him, parrying the hands. There he kicks the leg hard. Diaz tries that same body head uh, lead hook into the uh, rear straight combination, but doesn't get that. So Diaz is trying to win this fight. So that's good. I haven't seen it in a long time, uh, but he is actually doing the things that he does. I mean, if you watch the Carlos Condit fight, that is essentially exactly the same thing that Diaz did. Um, same combinations, same ideas, very similar. Um, it just looks ridiculous <laughs> with his mechanics. Silva taking his leads on the outside. Yeah, I think just uh, some more active kicking from Silva, just more activity in general would be a, a good adjustment from him. Whereas Diaz really hasn't had to adjust too much yet. He's gotten a lot of time and space to uh, try his own leads, but he's becoming increasingly less successful with them as the round progresses. Yeah, Silva parrying that lead hand a lot, preventing him from jabbing into range. And now he's a little bit wary of uh, going going lead with that that uh, right hook to the body just because uh, Silva has countered him a bit. That counter jabs his best weapon, countered him a bit there, jabbed him up a bit there, tried to uh, frame off and step into a knee. There's a jump knee from Silva. Yeah, he's got Diaz pressured against the cage here. They're both flailing their hands. And uh, Diaz lands on the lead but gets uh, check hooked pretty hard there. And there's a nice jab through the middle from Silva. Diaz getting boxed up a bit here. <laughs> Kicks the outside of the leg. There's a nice oblique kick and two-punch combination from Silva. Got Diaz against the cage here. Diaz, oh, controlled the throat into a, a rear hand from, from Silva. That was really nice. He's bullying Diaz here. There's that lead kick to the body that's very nice from Silva. And Diaz's kicks have, like, nothing on them in, in comparison. Um, so Diaz not 
really changing anything, just uh, trying to throw and, and land when, when Silva actually pressures him, trying to match his, uh, his antics a little bit. That's his idea of getting through Silva's, you know, showmanship is to copy him. <laughs> Diaz uh, turns into a back kick. Yeah, I would say Silva won that round. Diaz landed a decent amount, but the impact was nothing close to what Silva was landing. Uh, I'm not doing bad calls, but I'm just saying. Uh, so Diaz, volume, volume striking when conditioned, like we talked about, has the durability to enforce that approach and has the cardio to enforce that approach. So now we get into more technical details of, of how he's actually trying to do that. Um, didn't have a lot of success after a while jabbing into to range to do that. Uh, was getting countered off his jab a lot. Um, ended up getting put after that. A lot of his leads got shut down, ended up getting pressure to put it on the cage himself and uh, didn't really have the tools to not be there anymore. So when you talk about a, an approach holding up under duress, that's a good example of someone that was able to neutralize a lot of his strategies for his offense. And then when he actually applied the same approach to Nick Diaz, um, Diaz didn't really have a whole lot uh, to make him stop. He just had a little tricks and annoying things he could do, like you know, landing little shots here and there. Or trying to, you know, scare him into <laughs> not doing it. So we'll see what happens uh, in the rest of the fight. But in terms of competency and like, yeah, you could say composure and just, you know, not going to fall apart and die. Um, I would say Diaz is definitely upper tier for a Silva opponent. But doesn't have the style for beating Silva, has actually a very bad style for beating Silva. Um, you think about Bisping that's someone who can actually like put together normal combinations and play with his leads a little bit and, uh, you know, not, not be so super sloppy in his approach. Whereas Diaz is really open to get counter jabbed and doesn't really have a lot of ring craft, um, which makes it very difficult against someone who likes to counter jab and someone who likes to pressure when he gets going. And of course, Silva's biggest hole is his wrestling and grappling and Diaz not really any sort of offensive wrestler, so he's not going to get that going. Although I think he should try. I think he's doing himself a disservice by not trying. But, you know, there's four more rounds he could. I don't have a, that strong of a memory of this fight. And Silva, you know, side-kicking the leg from the outside, uh, which is good because of how uh, consistently Diaz is walking forward. Uh, pretty easy to lead him into that. But Diaz not over-pursuing now, and that's allowing Silva to circle back to center because he doesn't like the counters he's running onto, and he doesn't like running onto that kick either. So Silva has diffused a lot of his approach with his with his counter game uh, through that first round, and it's giving Silva more time to to set up his own his own leads, which um, are not as effective as his counters, but it's still scoring, it's still offense, still a good approach from Silva. And Diaz is kind of uh, a little lost in the fight, I think, just trying to be annoying at this point. Figuring out what he wants to what he wants to do next. I have seen Diaz make adjustments in fights before, uh, even against George St. Pierre. He actually ended up making that fight a lot better for himself over time. But and there's, there's uh, some slapping outside low kicks from from Diaz. Those are fairly effective. He really, you can see he's really trying to hit him hard with the low kicks. His mechanics are just terrible. Um, that one's better. He really turned his hip over on that one. And yeah, Silva's not checking him, so <laughs> Silva tries a triple jab into a straight there. Diaz goes high guard. A lot of lead leg kicking. Oh, yeah. Skips up from the lead leg feint into the rear leg kick to Silva. He's playing with him a little bit on feints now. Showing him a few different things. Set up one bigger shot. 
there's an outside leg attack from uh, from Diaz. Really, really no setup. Uh, pretty bad shot. Uh, Silva could always sprawl decently, so that's not really a good way. You have to chain wrestle a bit or set him up somehow with your striking, but Diaz just kind of dove from the outside, so that's not a good way to do that. I don't really give him points for that. <laughs> Diaz just outside kicking with him, really. I mean, if you're training Nick Diaz and he says, I'm going to be Anderson Silva by kicking with him on the outside, do you think that's going to work? Do you say, yeah, that's a good game plan, that'll work, or do you say, no, that's like a backup <laughs> if everything else isn't working, but that's not how you're going to beat Anderson Silva ever. Um, he's going to outkick you if it comes down to that. Um, but, you know, the judges are, are strange. Uh, you know, they, they have a hard time evaluating quality of a strike. And I think these, uh, these low kicks to the outside of the leg are actually getting better. That's a beautiful uh, right hook, uh, left straight to the combination there from Diaz and yeah, trying to build off of that. Silva pressuring more now, now, now that Diaz actually landed off. <laughs> Goes up elbow into a low kick. That's a nice combination from Silva. And I, I think he jazzed him up before that. So Diaz just like kind of picking his spots to actually commit to those combinations again. You know, it is him letting off the gas, but it's also him uh, being actually a bit smarter because he doesn't have a lot of variety on how he can set these things up. And just less volume is going to make him harder to counter because it won't be as predictable just based on pace and rhythm. So it is an adjustment of sorts. It's just uh, a pretty minimalist one and not really one that solves any problems. It's just trying to uh, remove an element to take away the threat. Oh, yeah. Silva plays with the high guard and hits a elite uh, round kick to the body. One of my favorite techniques. Um, so it's nice to see how that works. Against higher level opposition. Diaz actually gets a jab through. There's a 3-2 again from Silva. Body jab from Silva. Yeah, so having pretty much no problems when he actually uh, gets into a rhythm and starts letting off. But with him, it's always like this bad stuff comes in bursts and nice uh, shoulder rolling away from the overhands. Diaz trying to punch over the arms, but they don't seem very effective. Silva pressuring him back again. Diaz giving him some looks, trying to get him to, to go. And Silva landing through, through the guard a bit, through the hands a bit, but nothing super clean yet. I'll just go kick the body again, honestly. He's going to pick his hands up. There's another hook to bring the hands up. Diaz still jawing at him. But yeah, um, kind of an interesting fight, I would say. Uh, if Silva was younger, I think it would uh, be less of an issue just because Silva wouldn't have to pick his spots for offense as much. He could just kind of tee off. Um, but I, I think he's managing his his, uh, his pace. He's managing his cardio, which is definitely the advantage Diaz has. So Diaz is the one who is not optimizing his win condition because he's the one that should be pressing, you know, creating more exchanges. But he doesn't like getting countered. And I think that stomp kick to the leg also uh, made him a bit upset. So the smart adjustment would be like, clearly this guy wants to be comfortable enough to just exchange when he wants to. And it's kind of pick at me from the outside when, when he's not doing that, I have to create more exchanges. I have to, to press that. Cause that's my advantage, right? I got a hammer. There's something I can do here. That's that, that's a way I can win this fight. But instead he's kind of a, uh, not doing that <laughs> um but he has the chin to do it but like obviously as a person i wouldn't say yeah sacrifice your chin to win this fight but when you're evaluating win condition yeah it's like that that would be a better way to do this to maximize your skill set and if we're just talking about diaz's aggregate skills like his actual efficacy as a boxer and like 
technique as a boxer, depth depth of technique as a boxer, it's not quite enough uh, to make it a good game plan just to exist in these exchanges. I think he needs to apply a strategy and tactics to actually make this a good winning approach. Um, Good uh, left hook into right hook into the low kick rather from uh, Silva. Dutch combos. Yeah, so I'd like to see Silva pressure more and make Diaz do something to stop it. But yeah, there he stomps the leg as uh, Diaz walks in there. He fakes the stomp and uh, hops in with the, the straight through the high guard. Uh, kicks the arms there to Silva. Looks uh, heavy. Yeah, Silva. Diaz is posturing again. Yeah, Silva's saying, as the commentators are saying, Silva's saying discipline, like I said, composure, never an issue for him. Um, the least components I've ever seen him is some of the exchanges against uh, Chael Son in the first fight where he was kind of really needed to get something done later in the fight, and he was pretty frantic and hectic on the feet. But there are other factors that went into that. Yeah, Silva out kicking him on the outside now, managing the fight well. So this is the thing. Would any competent striker with a similar skill set to Anderson Silva be beating Nick Diaz in this fight? No, because it's middleweight. And there are lots of bad middleweight strikers that, that would lose it to, to this Nick Diaz on the feet. But that doesn't mean that it's automatically quality Nick Diaz because he would beat other middleweights. You know what I mean? Um, it just kind of means that Middleweight's bad, uh, but <laughs> this just you have to you have to consider like Nick Diaz, all his skills combined, yeah, seems like a guy that should be a quality fighter, but kind of lets himself down. Oh, there you go, he actually landed something in that exchange, but now it's Silva who's pressuring him, put him on the cage, jump in knee, and Diaz trying to wing punches over the collar. It's like he's thinking about how Weidman hurt him. Probably there's a nice body kick by Silva, uh, but yeah, I'm just not seeing enough focus or any sort of consistency from Diaz that would lead to like a good win. But I mean, the low kicks are the best thing he's doing the entire fight. Um, and Silva's not stopping them. So kick him more, kick him more. Why not? Landed maybe like two or three clean combinations throughout the fight, but the kicks have been really consistent and Silva's going to take his foot off the gas. Oh, jab into the, uh, the body hook from Silva. Really nice step in knee and then punch off the knee. And his defense has looked pretty atrocious. Uh, Diaz has. So, um, I don't know. I, with with uh, pretty much everyone we've watched, <laughs> I've really struggled to. Uh, oh, nice, nice. Uh, same combination. That's his best. His best look by far is a lead right hook to the body, left straight to the head. Um, he just doesn't always have the distance on it. Diaz doesn't, and he's been counter trying a few times as well. But yeah, with all of Silva's opponents in the series, I've really struggled to find them in a, in a quality range. And just counter jabbing isn't that advanced. It isn't like someone super special. You need someone super special to shut down this kind of approach. Um, it's just that at this weight class, Anderson Silva is very special for having those abilities. And there's a lot more about him that makes it difficult. But that kind of thing would, you know, take away a lot of <laughs> Diaz's uh, skills. But it's just interesting that the most competitive portion of the fight is the outside kicking. Um, and it's a pretty bad look from Silva that he can be out kicked like that. And I mean, that's how Izzy tried to beat him too. 
and uh, Silva countering him off the back foot a lot, kicking him off the back foot here. Body kick, huge. Shakes him out of his stance with that body kick. Anderson tries to wheel kick against the cage. Oh, huge uh, low kick to the outside of the leg from, from Silva. Yeah, it just seems like when he wants to get off on strikes, he lands pretty much everything he tries to. And Diaz misses almost everything or gets shoulder rolled on everything. He caught him on the chin there. Uh, but yeah, see, Diaz, uh, Silva had his hand in the body there, shoulder rolled that one. But yeah, that, that one shot did get through. So Diaz should realize that he needs more volume. Um, that his win condition is to have a lot more strikes landed than Silva because he's not going to beat him on impactful. Uh, on like who has the more impactful strikes of the round. So it's hard to make these decisions and think about these things in the fight. But you have to wonder like what was happening in the camp for this fight. Uh, you know how does he, how does he think he's going to win? Like is he is he even thinking about that? Or is he just fighting? You know, did the Diaz brothers game plan? Probably not. Which, I mean, how many fights have they lost because they didn't really have strategy or, or specific counters to things? I mean, that's why they aren't as good as they could be. Um, and Nick had a style, I think, that aged even worse <laughs> than than Nate's. I think Nate ended up being a much better fighter, honestly. Uh, you know, his holes when exposed made him look a lot worse than Nick, but Nick is good at like existing in fights and not getting beat up too bad and like making people annoyed and like, you know, just hanging out and, and making fights kind of closer. Nate Diaz, at least, you know, maybe not now, but <laughs> Nate Diaz better at actually being dangerous. Like in the times where he was, where he wants to be. Um, and he weaponizes his, uh, his attributes a lot more than the Nick, uh, than Nick does. So I'm way more willing to, to rate Nate Diaz as a, as a quality win than, than Nick a lot of the time. Um, I think I rated this one. And I'm okay with that, uh, but it's it's no more than a C win, honestly. Um, when everything's so borderline, you, ha- you really have to fall back on like, okay, what is the value of his skill set uh, and attributes in a in a vacuum? Or is that enough to push it into that range? It's it's kind of close, I would say. Um, and the approach isn't awful. It's just like he's not really getting himself a lot of value here, based on his approach. And you have to understand this is an old Anderson Silva, so it's like. But again, like Israel Adesanya had. <laughs> had some similar issues, um, which maybe maybe that was foreshadowing. Um, we, I, I can't speak for everyone, but me and a lot of other people kind of assumed that Izzy was you know, giving Anderson too much respect and you know he could have won that fight by a larger margin, especially if he just boxed with them more. Even though the jab was one of Anderson's best weapons in that fight, I think if Izzy just boxed with them more, he would have landed more meaningful shots. Um, but he did just kind of like try to posture on the outside and kick with him and like have an Anderson Silva type of fight and beat him at it, and he did. But it wasn't the smartest approach. And I think, you know, with these legacy fights that you kind of have here, they might not always be approaching it in that kind of way. I think Silva is. I think Silva's approaching it and trying to win as best he can. Oh, look at the toe marks on Diaz's body from the body kicks. Um, but yeah, I, I think Diaz is kind of like, you know, fighting, fighting as well as he can. You know, he, I'm sure he prepared well. Um, but. I don't think he's that concerned about forcing a win. And there's a uh, counter counter shot over the, the low kick attempt from Diaz and Silva steps out of that low kick. So I think Silva's kind of finally sick of uh, getting low kicked by Nick Diaz. <laughs> he's going to do something about it now, but still like should not have gotten to that point. And it's not like Diaz was going to use low kick fakes to set things up very much. That's not really 
part of his skill set is a skip up uh, round kick to the body from Silva, body jab from Silva. I liked what he was doing before, like uh, actively jabbing to set up the high guard and then lead leg kicking the body um, or like lead snap kicking the body or punching the body. I, I liked the manipulation of the high guard to hit the body. Shout out to Max Holloway against Calvin Cater. That was one of the best uh, best examples of all time of, of how to manipulate a high guard to set up combinations high-low. At this point, Anderson's a pretty good boxer. I think um, his ability as a boxer definitely picked up throughout his UFC uh, career like on, on a pretty continual basis, but physically it just restricted him from being as effective as he could be. And there's a, a nice check hook that Diaz ran into. Diaz landed a little bit of something of his own. But again, the impact of the strikes is so different. And Anderson Silva's got this crazy chin. Um, nice low kick from Silva. Another nice body hook there by, uh, by Diaz. Yeah, Diaz really intent on on throwing hard off these collar tag situations. I swear it's because of that Weidman rematch where Silva gets dropped um, off the collar ties with these shots of the temple over the top of the arms. It's probably what he was seeing there. So, yeah, I guess that answers my question. He game planned a little bit at least. He, he saw some things he thought he could work with. And, yeah, and the outside kicking with, with Silva, that's something that was demonstrated in many fights, many fights. That was like an early part of the game plan for, for all these guys. Um, as you know, if you watch the series. But it's not enough. <laughs> Especially if you're Nick Diaz and you're just not that good at it. And Anderson Silva is so much better at it, as you can see. Um, so we're going to have one more round up to this last minute. And I feel every single fight I've watched in this series has been less about me really valuing the approaches of his opponents and just kind of appreciating more and more what kind of fighter Anderson Silva was and what his skill was, especially on the feet. Um, I was definitely disappointed and let down by what I saw from his wrestling and grappling. Really not good enough. Um, people talked about all these crossweight matchups for him, GSP, John Jones. Terrible, terrible matchups for him. Uh, he should he should not fight wrestlers, <laughs> uh, people who can actually like hit like attacks and, and have any semblance of a top game, uh, are very bad for him. Uh, he's very lucky that the guy that was best equipped to beat him in the division uh, had zero composure, um, and then you know also had some holes in in his ground game as well that allowed uh, Silva to exploit them. But uh, if it was like Ricky Simone <laughs> type of dude, uh, like pretty much inflappable, just not any spectacular in any way, but he can like pressure box into the cage and shoot doubles and top game you well and keep tight control. Like that would have been an issue <laughs> for Anderson Silva. Um, but you know, he, he develops as a fighter in an era where that guy didn't really exist. He, he didn't have to deal with anybody like that. Chael Sonnen like came up pretty quick. Um, he was in the WC and then, uh, you know, he was in the UFC, then he was in the WC, but him as a contender didn't really start to happen until like, what, a year, a year and a half, two years before he actually got his title shot. So it's not like Anderson Silva was created to deal with that type of fighter. Um, yeah, he's been fighting grapplers his whole career, but not no one that can like sustain a pace and continually get to his legs and stuff like that. Most of them were, were going upper body. So he, you know, his skills and the clinch and his ability to frame off the collar ties and stuff like that became very important as an anti-wrestling weapon. So 
he he developed as a product of his time um and i think he was way ahead of the game as a striker way 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 ahead of the game as a striker and for some of the fighters he was ahead of them as a wrestler as well which is extremely embarrassing for them um but yeah he hit his own reactive takedown on uh patrick cote i want to say and he hit that switch on eight Marquardt, and he's he's made people look pretty bad in a lot of different situations so you can't fault him for these holes too much because he's just responding to the fighters he has to beat. And by the time these guys come around, it's way later in his career where it's harder to make those big adaptations. So I really like Anderson Silva as like a all-time great figure um, as fighter ability for, for who he had. But if you're going to rate him alongside people that are competing against modern fighters, it's so different what, what we're comparing to. Uh, the metrics are, are extremely different. Uh, the quality of fighter, the, the depth of fighter, the skills of the fighters that people are fighting today, it's is wildly different. So I just don't think that they belong on the same lists in the same types of conversations. Um, if you really wanted to consider a number of factors, you'd have to create like a bunch of different lists, measuring a bunch of different things, then find some way to weigh them against each other and come up with, but it's, it's really not worth it. <laughs> Uh, but here I am presenting to you one way to evaluate greatness. And unfortunately for Anderson Silva, his opposition really couldn't measure up uh, or offer him, you know, really meaningful challenges. He did end up losing, but, you know, the fights that he lost were probably the people that offered him the most meaningful challenges. I mean, consider the the threats that Chael Sonnen offered and then think about what Chris Weidman was. I mean, that was basically, it was a nice uh, shot from Diaz, but. I'm past, I'm past caring about Diaz's win condition because it's the fifth round and he's clearly dropped a few. But um, yeah, Chris Weidman basically just the, uh, the next version of that type of fighter, but someone with a ton of composure and somebody who, uh, you know, had even better attributes, you know, some might say, maybe slower in some, in some ways, but a better athlete all around and a uh, better wrestler in a vacuum and better grappler by far. Um, so yeah, Chris Weidman, much better equipped to, to be Anderson Silva. And he did just not the way that people were expecting. Um, <laughs> oh, nice counter jab there by Silva makes DS spit. So I'm back to commentating the fight in the last half of the half of the round. Uh, but I want to get that out there while I had some airtime to fill, man, I don't know if I'm going to end up watching that Brunson fight. I might just do the Bisping fight after this and, and be done. Um, I believe the Brunson fight might be a robbery as well. I think uh, people refer to that as Silva, like bullshitting his way into the win. And I just uh, might not have it in me <laughs> to watch that one. I think it's pretty clear that Silva's not going too high on my list of, of wins. Um, he just doesn't really have it. That's not really part of his legacy is, is wins over good people. It's just that's the problem is people say, you know, whatever amount of title defenses, that's the same thing, right? It's who, it's who you beat. When you when you defend a title, it's kind of assumed that you beat someone really good and that the win is meaningful automatically because it was for a title. But I think the point of the series was to demonstrate that that's not necessarily true, and it was much less true in earlier eras. So the resume reviews from more modern champions I think are going to be more insightful just because you're comparing cross weights and cross eras. Uh, not cross eras, but you know, generations, you might say, just, you know, 2010 to 2020, I'd say that's a whole generation of fighters that are competing uh, differently. But if you go back and you watch like the ones I've done for John Jones, I think I did like one episode for John Jones. Like those are relatively modern fighters that also struggle to, to meet up to my standards. But 
soon. I will do a resume review on a, a fighter's career who I think has a really strong resume, and you'll see what the, what the differences are. And you can tell me if I'm being incredibly biased or if you think you're actually seeing these differences and, and you get what I'm saying. Um, yeah, I'll do Aldo soon is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I have not. I said I was going to analyze the rest of this round, but then I didn't. Um, but uh, Silva counter-jabbing Diaz up because Diaz had the pressure to win, and he took the fifth round to say, okay, here's what I have to do to win. So he knew. And then Diaz, then Anderson Silva showed why it wasn't working in the first place. So, uh, oh, nice 3-2 there lands from Silva. Yeah, Silva paced himself very well. I think he uh, probably considering whatever his physical limitations might have been, he paced uh, his offense out. He, uh, he measured the risk reward between like Diaz's volume and what, how often he needed to attack. I think he managed this fight um, pretty expertly. And sometimes people, uh, they, they lose that. Uh, they lose track of things when they fight a volume fighter and they might uh, not have track of things like that. But yeah, Anderson Silva did a really good job here. Pretty clear win. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not cool to stick around anymore for this fight. So let's just move on. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I did end up rating Diaz, but it's 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 a low C win, honestly. It's not anything significant. At least he he did try. I was expecting to watch that and be really disappointed that he didn't try at all. Um, but he did, so at least it's that instead of <laughs> something else. Anyway, uh, we're gonna watch Anderson Silva versus Michael Bisping, and I think that'll be it. That'll be the end of this this Anderson Silva series. Um, he loses this fight, so we're not going to rate it, but I can talk about what it might've been, uh, if he did win and, uh, uh, maybe we can discuss scoring a little bit if we'd like. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the timestamp on this video is 1206. If you're keeping up with it like that, otherwise, uh, just watch with me or listen with me. Okay. So here we go. Three, two, one, go. And this is in China, I believe. So. Slightly different lighting in the octagon. Slightly different looking cage. So Bisping is going to pressure and, and try to win on volume. So it's a similar type of approach conceptually as what Diaz did. He's going to kick on the outside with them. He's going to jab in. But you can already see just like in his stance and in the way he takes distance, uh, Bisping's much more well-equipped to do this than, than Diaz, uh, who is extremely flat-footed and walking into counters basically the whole time. Or standing still and having an outside kicking match with him, which is a... Also, I don't think it was a great idea, but there's Bisping trying to do it and uh, Silva being a little bit better about not getting kicked for free. <laughs> oh, I don't know what order these fights happened, and that's a good question. I think Diaz won was first. Uh, yeah, but Bisping just trying to jab in, but, but taking his time, being very measured. Um, and he's not super durable, so I think that's important to his win condition to not press too much, is to be a bit more uh, careful about his leads. But, you know, to that point, you're going to have to also be better defensively to make sure that you're not losing a lot of ground uh in between there he tries to jab hook um double off his lead hand to uh keep that that extension that that distance between them and still uh still land a lot of faint fainted entries from bisping there he actually gets his gets his right hand through uh so a lot of the fainting between the hands and then he uh i think he fainted the uh, shoulders and hips a little bit too to to mask the uh the entry Showing him the, the lead leg uh, front kick a little bit to the body. 
is Bisping. So this is a very stressful fight for Bisping. He's going to have to do a lot all the time uh, to lead without getting countered too hard. But, you know, it, it's going to be a higher standard <laughs> based on his attributes. But there he gets the straight through again and ends with a, a low kick to the outside with his lead leg or heavy body kick from Silva. But uh, Bisping pretty durable to the body. More about his chin. That's a, that's a concern. Not that he had a bad chin, just like if you hit him clean and hard, he's going to go down, um, which is not true about someone like Nick Diaz, which is a cheat code, obviously. Um, but when you have those attributes, a uh, nice uh, 3-2 entry from Bisping, I think uh, crashes into him. But yeah, it's just your approach depends a lot on your attributes, and it's not fair, really, <laughs> how, how ratings end up being based on attributes because how it informs your approach. But, I mean, that's their whole career. That's just not me rating them. Um, that's how it has to be. So I think Bisping's very used to the fact that he has to work very hard in fights to win. And uh, Silva really doesn't. <laughs> so a lot of fainting from the outside from Bisping, very careful about his leads, uh, changing levels on, on a lot of his strikes, which is great. So he showed that same skip up uh, approach with his lead leg and then shot it high and I think he actually hit the face. Uh, so really smart by Bisping. Um, giving him a few different things to read, but not giving him too much so that he's going to repeat patterns. Oh, and nice sliding back out after that lead hand entry to avoid the counters by Bisping. So he's, he's being very smart there. There's a two, three, uh, could have been countered on that one, but got out of, out of the way afterwards. So just sliding back out, uh, punching his way off the cage there, but Anderson keeping his arms long, trying to, uh, close that space, close that window a little bit see how Bisping gets out of the spot. Cause I mean, Anderson Silva being a pressure fighter when he actually wants to, give offense uh you, you do need to worry about your ring craft a bit and as we remember bisping gets knocked out against the cage in this fight so <laughs> it ends up being pretty important bisping looks in uh some of the best shape of his career in this fight very solid very lean yeah fainting fainting his levels fainting his hands fainting his, his hips his legs uh Keeping keeping a, a lot of information out there, but uh, what's important is that his punches are pretty short a lot of the time. He uses a lot. Oh, there it is. He actually that's a long right hand. But a lot of his uh, strikes that he's showing off of these feints are short non-committal strikes. Oh, a headbutt. They both collapse uh, collapse into each other there, and uh, clash heads, I believe. But if it, it would be one thing if Bisman was showing a lot of these like short twitchy feints and then throwing really long committed strikes every time. Um, but no, his, uh, his actual combinations build off feints and, and there's differences in his mechanics that make it actually that they have value. So just fainting in a vacuum doesn't always mean something. There's a nice jab from Bisping, gets right out. So Bisping has to be okay with landing one thing and he has to be okay with, oh, nice uh, counters off the back from, from Bisping and he rocks him there, rocks him there when Silva gets aggressive and pressure. So it's a really good game plan from Bisping that he actually came prepared for the two phases of Silva's game, um, he had, you know, answers for for how Silva likes to deal with people leading against him, and he was very much prepared for Silva blitzing uh, on his own and beginning the pressure, uh, which he had to have assumed was coming because he was winning on volume uh, with the approach that he was giving. So, hands down, as far as striking goes, the best approach we've ever seen to Anderson Silva on the feet um, at this point in his career. So. I appreciate that. 
uh, it's a really good performance from Bisping. He, he does a great job. It, it gets a little weird over down the line. Uh, but I mean, that's about as good of a start as anyone ever had on the feet against Silva. Um, and yeah, like Chael Sonnen, definitely a better stylistic matchup. You know, can just top game him the whole round, but had to really gamble every time he wanted to do it because he had to pressure really hard to open up those responses to, to get into position. But yeah, you see there Silva walking right into him, trying to pressure hard and Bisping planting and hitting one count and then backing up and hitting the rest. So let's see if Silva gets to it sooner here. He tries to pressure, but Bisping right away takes the front foot. A lot of foot feints, a little, little tappy strike to the leg there. Showing him his lead hand a lot. Some head fakes there from Bisping. Yeah, see there, he just kind of touches with the with the, the, the three two. Doesn't throw it fully committed. There's that uh, steps in with that lead stab and front kick to the body. Yeah, just parrying with the hand. See, see, Bisping's mixing up what comes off the feints. It's not just like faint, faint, faint. Actual big strike. It's there's a lot of different uh, speeds, a lot of different extensions, uh, shifting into his other strikes like changing his weight into, you know, so that he can throw a kick or, you know, come back up into a jab or whatever. So just really playing with his weight distribution really well. And just a really uh, good example of uh, how you can feint actively to set up offense against a good counter striker who's not really going to lead much against you. Now, if Bisping fought someone like Israel Adesanya, who has a lot more tools in the lead when he's not, trying to counter you um it'd be a lot different well backhand jab from anderson to uh dissuade him from entering yeah silva been very inactive other than that blitz at the end of the last round and i got him hurt so he's definitely behind here i think that was a clear 10-9 in round one for bisping yeah and as soon as bisping doesn't like what he's what he's getting like doesn't like his positioning on his entry and uh it feels like he's being parried. It feels like he, he would have to expose himself a lot to fight through the situations. He backs out. But when he misses, like when Silva's using head movement to avoid and doesn't really have the hands parrying as much and is running out of room, see, he tries to extend the exchange and follow up with his jab and, and reset himself with his jab to replace himself to continue the exchange. And that's how he ends up dropping him later in the fight. And he's not discouraged by missing and he's not discouraged by things being blocked or parried. He just keeps going. So there's that composure element. So, I mean, if Bisping got knocked out right now, just like randomly, I would say this is uh, close to a B, a B performance so far. It's, it's pretty impressive in terms of approach. Even though the skill depth isn't quite what you would expect for a fighter of that caliber. I mean, when you go like lower weight classes, a lot of their rating is based on skill depth and physical attributes because you just have a lot of good athletes on uh, those weights. And some of them have pretty big oh there's a checkup from silva some of them had pretty big uh strategic flaws but uh, they can make up for it in other ways where this is someone who skilled up doesn't go super far but this is you know one of the most focused performances i've seen from a fighter at, at this weight range oh body head on the jab from from silva very dynamic level change there Getting Bisping's respect a little bit. Oh, there we go. Gets Silva backing up off the uh, the straight lead and, and hits a low kick on the exit. Yeah, Silva uh, showboating a little bit, like a lot of extra flourish <laughs> on the strikes he's missing. Um, 
it, it's a lot of posturing trying to discourage him from coming in on him after he misses there's there again Silva backing up straight like hands out pairing leaning back off the, the straight leads from Bisping and Bisping able to kick uh, low on the end but there Silva was looking away at Herb Dean talking to Herb Dean did the same defense but then actually landed the counter hook as uh, Bisping went to hit the low kick on the end so now Bisping is you know either intentionally or not He's setting up this dynamic where Silva is going to be trying to throw a, a hook counter after uh, he leans back to avoid the straight entries from Bisping. So he might be able to uh, create that lead and pull back out and come back in after that counter. So he, he's like setting up this uh, this chain of reactions, which is uh, pretty cool, I think, if, if it's on purpose. <laughs> Hard to know if it is. There we go. Is that long left hand? Oh, and comes back in. See, let's go back. So we're at uh, 42 seconds here. So the straight kick adjusts Silva's guard, puts him in place. So let's see what happens here. So lead hand feint. This thing goes jab feint into a long left hook that lands and gets Silva check hooking. So you could say that that, that sequence of Silva finding that, that hook counter on Bisping's low kick could have gotten him more into the rhythm of throwing that that hook, but I think generally he just got him to bite on the bite on the jab and, and saw him coming in after the jab and said hook counter, uh, hit him with that, got him to miss, and then as he resets, Bisping's still there, and uh, yeah, just comes back two uh, one, catches him on the chin there, but still, it built off uh, Silva becoming more and more eager and, and feeling like he needed to counter and looking for those counters. Um, I don't know why this hasn't gone away yet. There we go. So you could say, you know, conceptually it was still set up by the rest of what happened, but I, I would like to see that those exchanges continue where Bisping backs him up off the straight and tries to hit that low kick. I want to see if he can uh, build off of that more, but he's in his guard for the last 10 seconds in the round here. Landing, landing some pretty solid shots actually. So uh, Bisping, I think was still winning that round. Honestly, there was, there was definitely some good moments from Silva. Um, I don't know. I think, I think you could go 10, eight if you wanted to. Um, that one but maybe a 10 9 i don't know i wasn't scoring it <laughs> i should have been separate separate show to score this one but i believe this next round is the one where bisping uh, gets knocked out essentially so the question that round is going to be was silva winning the round before that because if he's winning the round before that and then he essentially finishes the fight that does fall under the criteria for a 10 7 10 7 is when there's an argument to, for the fight to be stopped so That'll be interesting. That's closer to the boxing rules, honestly. A 10-8 is more about the dominance, you know, the control, you know, who has the lion's share of the damage being dealt. Is there was there a lot of damage dealt and who had most of it? Um that that's pretty much how a 10-8s work. Where a 10-7 is more like boxing, where if there's a, a really huge <laughs> uh moment or, or a series of moments where someone's just getting trashed. Uh, even if it doesn't, it doesn't say have to be, it has to be like a sustained duration just says like argument for the fight to be stopped. That's kind of more like boxing where you can get a 10, seven, um, just from one, one thing, but that's, that's not, this wasn't an argument for the fight to be stopped here. Silva recovered instantly. You know, he got hit more, but he was awake. <laughs> this is the point. It's around three here. Same general dynamic. Silva switching stances a bit, um, which really is going to open up the, the jabbing and the lead hand work for Bisping, but it also might open up the counter jab from Silva, but now he switches back to Southpaw. 
I don't think he liked that idea. There was that a one, two. This being. Yeah, it could be tempting to open up a bit more and try to try to hit hard. Um, actually drop someone like that, but this been doing basically exactly the same stuff he already did. I'll lead hand fainting, sneaking that straight through the up the middle. Yeah, not not fully committing to it if he doesn't feel like he has the range, doesn't feel like he has his feet under him. I, I appreciate that. Very composed. Uh, that gets that jab through. A lot, a lot of hand fighting to, to get that one jab in, but I mean, if Silva's not going to be trying to match you on volume in between those moments, it's totally worth it to invest a really long time <laughs> in landing one strike. Judges, I don't know how they see that, but one person landed, one person didn't. So it should be pretty straightforward. Silva goes body punching, but this thing actually hit down on him and might have hit him there. Some low kicking from the outside. Now Silva a little more interested in hitting him. So he's going to stand in front of him a bit more. So that's going to open up the outside kicking dynamic. And Silva using a lot of head movement here, that, you know, opening up opportunities for Bisping to overextend himself and become vulnerable. So he pulled back on that, uh, that right hand after he threw it. Said, whoops. <laughs> Showing these level fix, yeah. But Silva's gotten very little done in this fight. Um, it's been pretty dominant for Bisping so far. Of course, that will change. <laughs> yeah, playing with that lead hand a lot is Bisping as a well kick that almost lands for Silva. His jab comes through straight as parried, but then he gets that long left hook. There's a counter jab from Bisping that lands, spins him around. Uh, trying to burst in off the low kick and then comes right back out after. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah, I appreciate this performance a lot. I, I used to never like Bisman, but is that 2-3? Gets right out. When it comes to simultaneous counters, Silva's are his jab mostly. So if you get past his jab and you get your entry off, if you just back straight out, you should be okay unless he's going to start counter kicking, which has not happened. Yeah, but people did. Silva definitely has this mythology as like a death touch counterfighter, but truth be told, um, it comes from oh, <laughs> comes from extended exchanges um, where people are missing a lot and hanging out in front of him, or it's a simultaneous counter from a jab. Those are really the two ways that it happens, and it hasn't happened that many times. It, it definitely became more common later in his career because you know when you get older, you naturally just become a counterfighter because that's the way the attributes tr trend. Uh, to favor. This one went two to body that time. That was a good adjustment, although he doesn't really need to do that many adjustments. His game plan is working very well. Silva trying to pressure him a bit more. This being doing basically the same thing, but now with his back to the cage, which I think is dangerous because exiting is so important for him. There he goes. He gets the ankle when Silva overcommits. He turns him off from his jab and slips out to the other side. So yeah, he's got the he's got the tools, he's got the attributes, he's got really everything he needs to apply the game plan he is, and the game plan he is is very smart. Um, but again, his offense isn't amazing, but he's hiding it very well and being very smart about when to apply it. Um, same with his defense, you know, just sticking to a few ideas <clears throat> that are keeping him pretty safe against an, an older Anderson Silva who. Really has to limit his opportunities of when he tries to hit you. Because he will get tired. Just been jabbing with him, trying to extend these exchanges, trying to 
hit him at range, not trying to come in on him when he uh, he's tracking him down here, hand fighting to put him in place. Small steps to follow him to cut him off. Getting Bisming to throw, pressuring while moving his head. Trying to drop him into that knee. Encouraging him to change levels, looking low. Oh, nice, nice counter <laughs> stepping in uh, from Bisping. Should have scared him off, but Silva's got that chin. Bisping trying to trying to hit him to go off. Mouthpiece comes out, follows him, gets him on the break there. Head positioning into the knee, double collar tie. Breaks off from that knee. It looks away. Oh, there's that that knee that puts him down. Yeah, so Bisping was winning that round, and then Silva dropped him. Um, I think that's just a normal 10-9 round for Silva, honestly, because um, he just drops him once, and Bisping was still awake, and there weren't any follow-up shots. So, Argument for the fight being stopped, he was turned away from him, but Silva like wasn't... like Intelligently defending herself doesn't really matter if they're not trying to hit you. You know, <laughs> that's not really how officiating an MMA works is like they just see that you're down bad and they just stop it immediately. Unless you're out, out, they usually don't do that. Um, they usually wait to see if there's any sort of danger uh, for your defense to matter. So I would say that was just normal uh, round win for Silva. I was trying to tell him that he didn't win. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Bisping won those three rounds and he lost that round. So I don't think the scoring's gonna be contentious. I think it's pretty clear. Um especially because Bisping's the one that also has an argument for a 10-8. Uh, a better argument than this, honestly. You could say that Silva is trending toward winning the round. I guess, I don't know. There could be a 10-8 argument in there for Silva in this round, but I don't think it's gonna matter. I don't think he wins any other rounds, but we'll find out. All right, let's fast forward to round three. I'm round four, rather. So let's see how well Bisping sticks to his, his game plan now that he's been concussed. That's going to be uh, quite, quite a test. Now, let's say I was doing a resume review for Michael Bisping. What would I rate Anderson Silva for this? Um... I don't know. I would definitely rate him. I think he's still pretty dangerous and still had good ideas for, I mean, when he, when he created that floor gate into the third round, that was very, very smart. The way he did that. I like, I liked everything he did there to set him up uh, a lot of traps, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of gambles, a lot of cashing in on his attributes and, and different skills to, to prolong that pressure exchange. Uh, so I like that. See, again, he's uh, evading everything and hit a counter low kick. So he's making adjustments. He's he's tough, man. He's definitely tough. Um, just really befuddled by uh, Bisping's performance. That's you know the difference is, you know, Nick Diaz kind of tricking him into having a relatively close exchange in terms of like close fight in terms of Diaz having a lot of volume. It's a lot different than Bisping like genuinely making it difficult for for Silva to do anything he wants to do. Um, whereas with Diaz, it's just kind of like. Silva was pacing himself, basically. He just knew uh, how much he needed to do, but that when he wanted to do things, they were going to work. That is not the case here. Um, this being doing a much better job than that. So um, I know I keep flipping back and forth between who I'm rating, but <laughs> I, I would say as an opponent, Anderson Silva, definitely worthy of, of a number here. Um, 
even even for like uh, Israel Adesanya, I still think he was a of of minimum at, at the minimum requirement for quality. I think it's a while until Anderson Silva is not quality. For example, Daniel Cormier beating him, you have to rate him as a light heavyweight. You know, <laughs> he's not really quality for a light heavyweight. Um, doesn't have the size for that. Um, but yeah, oh, but he beat former light heavyweight champion Forrest Griffin. Yeah, think about how embarrassing that is that that happened. <laughs> So we're into that same dynamic as before. Uh, but Bisping, I feel like I don't know what he knows, honestly. I was going to say he knows that he, he might be up, but he might not know anything because he got knocked out. <laughs> there you go. Uh, fainting that lead hand into the, the lead hook. Um, Self counter jabbing him a little bit here. And there's lead jabbing him, honestly, not even counter. But uh, Bisping having success. Oh, and going to the body. Yeah, Silva leaning up against the cage a lot more, which is really opening up opportunities for Bisping to actually see offense strikes not have to worry too much about counters just because it's difficult to counter with power while your back is pressed against the cage and Silva trying to goad him into into doing just that to opening up more because it'll allow him to counter more but I think he's a bit overconfident in his uh, ability to counter and he's not seeing what he wants and Bisping mixing up his, his looks and keeping the strikes long and going to the body a decent amount Silva showed his elbow a few times after uh, Bisping started going to the body, maybe saying, like, I will up elbow you if you change levels on me again. And that, that kind of made Bisping second-guess himself. So Silva's tools are for making people do things to him less um, a lot of the time, which isn't always a win condition, but the fact that that is uh, tempered by the fact that he is going to have some bursts uh, to try to put together a lot of offense uh, in a short period of time. It starts to make sense as a winning as a winning strategy as a, a way to pursue a win condition. Um, he's very unique. He's very unique like that. I, I think in boxing that's more common. People kind of managing rounds that way, or managing even fights that way. You know, take, taking entire rounds to just mitigate what the other person's doing, and then going ahead and getting your offense out just to win enough to win a round. Um, it's interesting. It's I, I like how game plans for fighters are influenced by other sports. Um, I've talked before about how Yolo Romero's uh, game plan is because he has one. Uh, Yolo Romero's game plans are, are very freestyle. Uh, they resemble the structure of a freestyle wrestling match in some ways. Um, I'm going to skip ahead. We have an eye poke situation here, I think. No need to watch that. Here we go. Um, yeah, I, I feel like Silva takes a very boxing-centric uh, approach to the fights. I mean, I don't know enough about Muay Thai fight structure. I know Ryan would be able to help me with that, but I believe it's similar where they, they definitely ease into it, but I feel like it just becomes like a fight for a stretch of it. It's like there's the beginning, which is slow, then the middle, which is the fight, and then the end, which is whatever whoever wins, this gets to win. Um, I think this is more like boxing where it's a you know round management and uh, like a trade-off of, of effort. Whereas Bisping is treating this like MMA where you really should try to win every round <laughs> the whole time. Um, and that's definitely been paying off for him. And, you know, just years and years and years and years and years of having Anderson Silva footage to study and knowing exactly what you need to do to him and being the guy to, to do that. Um, it's pretty great. Yeah, he's getting the high guards up, punching around it and really not landing a lot in these exchanges. But it doesn't matter because as long as one thing lands and Silva doesn't do anything in between the next time that you do that, then you're winning. Um, Silva's leading now, pressuring in the last 30 seconds. You see, this is his gambit. He's going to take the whole round to make sure you can't do a lot, and then he's going to try to pressure you. And Land and Bisping gets a really clean counter through while Silva tries to hit that uh, that step-in knee that he did last round as well. Bisping's trying to counter him and hand fight with him and find those opportunities to create space. 
And I think he just stepped into an elbow there. Oh, there's a two-punch combination from Silva. But it's not enough to, to you know, counter the entire round of work from Bisping because Silva really didn't do anything on his own. There's a Superman punch, like four pretty solid impacts in that flurry. He wasn't effective enough defensively to, to make that enough to win the round. But as an idea, that's pretty good um, for him, for his abilities. So I don't mind it. I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead to the last round because uh, my mouth is really dry. I would like this to be over. So last round, round five of Anderson Silva versus Michael Bisping. Let's see if Silva approaches this round in similar fashion to the rest of the rounds he's tried to win, or if he approaches this round like the whole fight was basically the idea of trying to mitigate what Bisping was able to do, and now he's got to go try to win it. Um, But I think uh, Anderson Silva sometimes has... Oh, kick high to the guard there from Silva. I think Silva sometimes has misunderstandings about how fights are scored and how things work. And he's been rewarded for it a bunch of times, but I genuinely think he, he sometimes has delusions. Um, a nice uh, two, three lead there from Bisping. And there's that two into the low kick going back to what he was doing really a lot earlier in the fight in rounds one and two. And that, yeah, Silva kicking high a lot to bring that guard up or because Bisping has blood in one eye. And I think his other eye is the bad eye. So he's going to the other side. Yeah, Bisping's vision is definitely disrupted and Silva kicking him on the outside there. There's a nice side kick to the body. Uh, jab gets through from Bisping. But if you feel like Bisping's compromised and you know that you can flurry, you can, you know, faint and flurry him onto the cage and, and get off a lot of offense, do it now. Do it now, you know? They're going to go clean up Bisping's eye, I think. Skip ahead. Got 3.30 in the round. Silva leading a bit more here. Yeah, he's definitely more active in, in the uh, early stages of the round than he was in others. Um, there he goes, the straight lead from Silva, and he uh, rocks back away from uh, Bisping's counter straight. And Bisping counters, counters him, gets that 1-3 yeah, through again. That's been really good for him all fight. Oh, front kick to the face, and he, he stumbles him, stumbles him and backs him off. And there he avoids the uh, the counter attempt. There's a step in. He that lands a bit. Another one lands on the arms, I believe. And there's the silver pressure in him a lot here. Got him against the cage. Bisping trying trying to offer some volume to back him off. Silver gets the collar tie. Big knee to the body. Really big impact there. Another he fired it up again and hit the uh, straight off of it. That front kick. Wow. Misses there. Avoids Bisping's leads, but but. When he was bent over in place, trying to evade that strike, Bisping had time to get out uh, from the cage. But yeah, his face is a mess, and he is definitely. Uh, I, I respect and admire a lot that he hasn't backed off more because you know to to continue to lead and stick to your plan at this point, like that's I say under duress. This is a lot of duress to be under, um, considering the entire complexion of the fight up to now, especially. Uh, nice. He's still sticking to the same exact stuff. I mean, really impressive composure from Bisping. Uh, he is he is mentally so strong. Um, you can't you can't underrate that. That's really important. Uh, he's so focused in his game plans. So any any lapses he had technically, or maybe even tactically in this fight, he's made up for by you know being mentally unflappable and being able to get back into what was working for him. Uh, and you know, 
durability, I think a little bit better than, than people, even me would have assumed he took some harder shots and was okay with them. than he thought, and he recovers really well. He recovers well. And I think that's part of being in great shape, which is another one of his attributes. One of his main ones is being extremely fit. And he uses his feints to enter on a double uh, Silva actually got underhooks through it. So it's going to be really tough to finish that, but it was a nice entry. Um, and if Bisping was more of a wrestler, I think he would have gotten that. Um, did Bisping wrestle Brian Stan in their fight? That sounds right to me. <laughs> Brian Stan is a really bad wrestler. Uh, <laughs> camera angle is tilting. We're falling. No, we're back. There we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bisping's still pressuring him, still getting a little bit through. Just honestly, at this point, it's just like, don't get 10 aided, um, and you're probably good. But uh, Silva, Silva did a good job um, trying to win this fight. Considering uh, everything he had at his disposal, I think physically he could not have done much more than he did. Um, and, you know, uh, that's one of the best ways an, an old fighter can age is uh, to have a style where they don't have to do as much. <laughs> he tried to hit that back elbow uh, from Bisping pursuing him after he bent over at the waist to avoid those shots at the head. Um, that's clever. But, yeah, a lot of respect for both these guys after this fight. Uh, I enjoy this fight more than I did the first couple times I saw it just because, uh, these are guys with limitations for sure, but I think considering who they are, they both did a pretty good job in navigating this fight. Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of adaptations that need to be made from both of them, and I think they both did a, a great job. And it's an admirable, admirable effort from both. So whoever gets the win, I think it's quality. It's a quality win. So imagine a title defense streak of twelve or thirteen against people who have skills that make up a functioning fighter attributes that make them a dangerous, uh, dangerous in those, uh, areas and mentally can, can stick to these things and, and put these things together in a way that makes sense. That's going to lead to a win for them. Beating 12 or 13 of those guys together, um, 12 Bispings, you know, 13 Bispings. Like that's, that's a, a really, really great fighter. So that's what we're looking for. Um, I will see if, if we get that with Aldo when I, when I get to him. I'll probably do his next, honestly. Um, or I'll make that a, uh, a stretch goal. Who knows? Uh, but I'll do, I'll do somebody highly rated next uh, on, on the list. So you can see um, what I value in terms of quality. But yeah, amazing fight, honestly. Uh, I keep upgrading it uh, just because conceptually it, it means more to me now than it did at the beginning and just in the context of the action. But uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that way more than I thought I would. I'm glad I committed to watching it. Um, and yeah, I, I hope other people enjoyed that more than they thought they would. I know I have some fans of Bisping and some fans of Silva that listen to this, so I think it'd be good for, for fans of both. But yeah, that concludes uh, my, my rating of some Anderson Silva wins, the Anderson Silva resume review. Um I think I said it last time. So on the list of wins, Anderson Silva is is pretty low. He doesn't have a lot of wins that really impress me in terms of opponent quality. That's just the way it is. You know, it's not not a big deal. Okay, it's all right. Um, but let's take a look at the list. I'm not going to show you it because I uh, don't want you to see it. I have him at 71 right now. I think he'll go up a little bit once I can figure out some other people's ratings. But I have found, uh, basically, to go on those lists, you need at least three quality wins. I started with four for uh, Anderson Silva. I had Sakurai, Henderson, Belfour, and Diaz. 
Um, Sakurai, I'm questioning whether or not that should be a thing. Henderson, I have it as 79, like almost B range. I take that back. Um, he was barely quality, if at all. Uh, Victor Belfort, I had as a 76. I think that's fine for now. Victor Belfort looked like he was functional. He was doing good stuff. Uh, it just kind of happened. <laughs> the way that he lost, there wasn't really anything that you could see about him that, uh, you know, uh, would have led to a loss. But Vitor is a fighter who changes over the complexion of a fight. So it's hard to accurately rate him as well. Um, and then Nick Diaz, I think I'll rate around the same as Vitor. Um, so you got, you got four quality wins there. And then based on what I've watched in this series, I would say the Chael Sonnens have an argument, um, you know, both both times. Um, I wanted I wanted to really wanted to give some other people some credit, but it's kind of it, you know. <laughs> I don't think there was really anyone else that uh, came close to my standards, and that's just that's just a, a product of the time, you know what I mean? It's just a this is not the kind of list that's going to reflect well on fighters from earlier eras, but it's still fun to go see where they end up, you know, under a system that's very critical. Um, so it's not like I think he sucks because of this. It's just that his resume is, isn't that good from a modern perspective because the fighters were worse and that's not his fault. That's all, that's all it is. So if you still want to have Anderson Silva at the top of your greatest of all time list, cause you just care about con- contextualizing in the era, go ahead, go ahead, but don't argue with me about my system because it's different. You just have to argue with me about whether or not that should be the way the fighters are evaluated. Um, but at the end of the day, you're going to be evaluating fighters that are competing in 2021 and fighters that competed in the early 2000s and where they got most of their wins in the early 2000s or mid 2010s. That's really different. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, are you going to use the same criteria for both or are you going to try to modify things or add add you know different types of values depending on context so it's it's too hard um i love to have these conversations definitely hit me up with your thoughts about that and your thoughts about these fights in general for the whole series and give me a shout of anyone else you might really want to see i know i've mentioned aldo a few times it'll definitely happen i don't know if it'll be next it'll definitely happen but give me a shout about who you really want to see this for doesn't necessarily have to be someone with this big long career of tons of wins it might be another fighter that has like three or four that you would like to see evaluated uh i'm happy to do those all right so that's it the end uh for this series of resume review there will be more for sure all right bye-bye